are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Sweetie, are you listening? Mary, I've said it once, so I'll say it again. I can do two things. Two things at once, yes, I know. Uh, but we really need to talk. And Joseph, yeah, I need you to listen. I am listening so hard right now. I, you can't even imagine how much I'm, I'm concentrating on, on you and the words. I'm overwhelmed by your concentration. Can you, can you just stop for a second, please? Mary, I would love to stop for a second, but I can't. Why not? We're gonna be married soon, and I just, I just want everything to be perfect. Joseph, I love your heart. I really do, but you know, not everything has to be perfect, and that's okay, because we don't know what life is gonna throw at us, you know? Right, but I, I still want a house worthy of you, and, and to do that, I, I, I've gotta work, because a man's- Man has got to have a plan. Have I mentioned that before? A time or two. Mary, I have so many plans for us. This table, this is where we're gonna have our meals together and, and, and I've made it big enough for, for to seat some little ones. For down the road, of course. About that. Where did I put that chisel? Joseph, I need to tell you something. Something, something unbelievable. Did I put it in that shelf? I was visited by by an angel. Yeah? And he, he told me that I was highly favored. Mm-hmm. And it all felt, it felt like a dream until he, he told me something. And the instant he said it, I knew that it was true. I just used it. I, I just had it. Joseph, are you listening to me? Yeah, that, that sounds really great. Joseph... Got it. I'm pregnant. I'm so glad men are not like that in real life. <laughs> Amen. We have a saying around our house that uh, when we start talking, when we feel the other one's not listening, in the middle of a conversation, we'll throw in, and then there's an armadillo in the refrigerator. And, and when that happens, it's just like, I'm not listening, am I? It's like, no, you're not. You know, it just, it happens. We get so caught up in life and so caught up in things that we sometimes miss what's right in front of us. There's a theologian named Al Sterling who once said, God will speak to you in two ways. He will whisper in your ear or smack you upside the head with a brick. Listen for the whisper because the brick really hurts. You know what? Take a moment and try to put yourself into the shoes of Joseph and Mary in this scene. What emotions must have been going through their mind? What, what feelings would they have felt when they found out that Mary was pregnant? 
What questions would have raced through their mind? How do you think Mary must have felt as she conjured up the courage to break the news to Joseph? Think she rehearsed what she was going to say? You know, when we look in the Bible and we look at stories like the prodigal son, we see how the prodigal son rehearsed it over and over again. I have sinned against you, Father, and heaven. I have sinned against you, Father, and I've sinned against heaven. And all the way home, he, he mauled that over in his mind. He played the scene out time and time again. And then when his father sees him coming over the hill, all of a sudden, everything he planned went to waste, and the father runs out and wraps his arms around him and says, my son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. I guess I kind of wanted this this ending in this story, but we don't really know what happened. The Bible doesn't really tell us exactly. Break that down detail for detail. See, Joseph did what men do. Men consider. Men resolve. Men decide. And then men act. How long was it between when Mary found out that she was pregnant until Joseph was brought into the loop? We don't know when or where or how Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy. The Bible doesn't specifically tell us. We just know that he did find out. See, both of these main characters in this part of the pre-Christmas story have their unique perspective shared by a separate gospel. Luke shares Mary's perspective, and Matthew, he conveys Joseph's vantage point. Let's first take a look at how Mary found out that she was pregnant. We've had this sermon series planned since August. And it's just amazing what God is doing in our lives. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be the great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? for I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. What more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to the word. And the angel departed from her. See, some people in this room, we know Beatles lyrics just as well as we know this story. We know Paul McCartney singing out, Let it be, let it be. See, when Paul McCartney sang it, it was just that word that was just like, you know what, just let it be. Just don't worry about it. Don't stress out over it. But this let it be here was a very different type of let it be, isn't it? What Joseph, uh, uh, Mary was walking in that place and that word let it be, it's a decision to accept what's coming no matter how frightening it may be. Have you ever been in that place where the Lord just tells you something and drops something deep into your spirit 
And it almost becomes overwhelming. It almost becomes like, Lord, what am I going to do now? God, how am I going to get through this? See, imagine Mary. She walked in that place, found out she's pregnant, and, 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 and all of a sudden she's like, her mind would have went into a, a tizzy. Lord, what do I have to do? How am I going to be able to, to tell Joseph? How am I going to be able to do this without shame coming upon us? See, we know that God doesn't use fear. But yet sometimes the Lord deposits things into our spirit that are so big that it's like, Lord, how in the world could this ever happen? God, how can this ever come into fruition? Now what about Joseph? See, Luke doesn't really tell us anything about his thought process, about the birth of his Savior. Let's see if Matthew can help us out there. And if you open up your Bibles, flip over to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she came pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pause there for a moment. This, that's it? That's it from Matthew's vantage point regarding, regarding Joseph. We get one verse that totals 27 words in the Greek language. Compared to Luke's perspective of Mary receiving the good news of her pregnancy, which is 13 verses totaling 220 words. I wonder if God has a divine sense of humor. Since it's been estimated that a woman speaks approximately 20,000 words a day, while a man averages 13,000, 7,000 words less in a 24-hour period. The more things change, the more things just stay the same, isn't it? Regardless, Joseph didn't have a response. And after receiving the news of Mary's pregnancy, again, Matthew does not give us the time-lapse sequence of her emotions or his thought process. But he did process the news and formulate a plan, an action based on news from Mary. Matthew goes on to share Joseph's analytical thought process, which is laced with emotions and motive. Let's continue in verse 19. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message throughout the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. See, Joseph had already considered, resolved, and decided but he had not yet acted. Now, because of a dream, he went against everything that he knew. He went against what he was going to do, and he takes Mary into his arms. What an act of faith that was. It's interesting that the angel of the Lord told both Mary and Joseph on separate occasions not to be afraid. The angel of the Lord gave the same commandment to Zechariah in the temple as well as the shepherds who were out in the field watching over their flocks by night. All four times the angel of the Lord met and spoke to these four different people. Do not be afraid. I wonder if fear can cripple us as Christians. See, fear is the quickest way to stop what the Lord wants to accomplish within our lives. 
When the Lord is telling us to step out in boldness, the enemy every time will use the tactic of fear to try to stop us from what the Lord is wanting to accomplish. Have you ever been immobilized by fear? I remember as as a kid, my mom and dad would put us in swimming lessons. And the pool that we were at had had a small diving board and a big diving board. And I remember going up on the high dive and looking down, and I didn't like heights very much. How many people are with me? All right? And I look over there, and I would just jump off and land in the water, and I'd go back up there and do it again. And then I'd look at my mom up in the, up in the stands watching us, and she'd be like, dive. I'm like, are you nuts? I'll jump off, but there's no way I'm going head first into a a, a, a thing of water, which really I hear that when you fall fast enough, it becomes cement, you know? Like, there's no way I'm doing that. So she would go like, Lance, come on, dive, dive. And I'm like, week after week, no way. I enjoyed the jumping off part, but there's no way I was going to take the dive until one day I looked at my mom in the stands and she did this. I'll give you two bucks if you dive. I'm like, oh, now we're talking <laughs> So I, I reached down deep and I got some courage and I, and I went over and I did a dive and my mom thought, there, he's cured. He did his first dive off the high diving board and I went back up again. She's like, yeah, dive again. I'm like, no way. And then again, she goes, two bucks. I'm like, another two bucks. Let's do this. And I think I made probably 12 bucks that day just diving and diving and walking in that place. But, but fear really mobilized me, and I didn't want to do it until I had that little extra incentive. What is the Lord has spoke deep into your spirit that has caused you to allow fear to say, no, wait a minute, God. There's no way in the world I can do that. Perhaps you're here, and you've even had an opportunity, and you feel like uh, God let you down because you're a coward, instead of standing boldly in faith. See, we know that the enemy is like a lie, uh, the father of lies. He whispers lies into our hearts. But you know the great thing about the Lord? Is he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to pass these tests. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was on a missions trip over to Poland, and we just finished doing a, an open airs um, type of evangelistic outreach thing with dramas and all that kind of stuff. And we were just leaving, and, and as we're leaving, I'm walking with the interpreter, and we're heading back to the bus, and all of a sudden, this blind lady walked by us, and the Spirit of the Lord said, I want you to pray for her. And I turned to the interpreter, I said, you know what? The Lord told me to pray for this lady. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, let's go. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be awesome. God is going to heal her right here, and she's going to see, and man, this is going to be good. So we walk around the corner, and this blind lady now had got to a bus stop, and there's probably 30, 35 people all standing around. And I walked up to her, and I'm just like, I can't do it. I just, I just can't. And I walked away absolutely defeated. And I wrestled with God over that, saying, God, I blew it. Here I am on a missions field. You told me, maybe because of my disobedience, this girl has not received her healing. And Lord, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And God, I can't believe I did that. And I wrestled with it, and I wrestled with it for an entire year. And the very next year, we went on another missions trip. And it was basically the same story happened. The Lord told me to pray for a guy. This guy was sitting around a fountain in an open market with all of his buddies around him. 
And that fear came upon me again. And this time I'm like, you know what? I kicked myself for a year because of that girl. And to this day, I never forgot that story. But I said, I am going to reach down and I'm just going to walk up to this guy and I'm going to pray for him. This guy suffered with polio from a kid and he was all kind of crippled up. And I walked over him and I said, you don't know me, but my name's Lance and I'm from Canada and I believe that God can heal you right here. Would you allow me to pray for you? He said, yeah, I'd love that. And we just bowed our heads and we prayed. You know what? I wish that I could tell you that all of a sudden the arms started straightening out and this kind of stuff. Nothing happened that day. But yet the Lord spoke deep into my heart and said, son, you did it. You see, what I learned that day is that we are the messenger. And when Holy Spirit speaks deep into our hearts, our role is to act upon what he's telling us to do. See, I was kicking myself because I didn't pray for that blind girl. And you know what? If she had got healed, the truth of the matter is, what would have happened? Would I have rejoiced and been like, look at me? But back then, then I started kicking myself because I prayed for this other guy and he didn't get healed. And my youth pastor in his wisdom said, Lance, let me ask you a question. If he had got healed, would you have taken the credit for it? And I said, no way. He says, then why are you taking the blame? You did your part. You listened to the Holy Spirit. Slap on the back. I'm proud of you. My friends, there are people in this room that have been immobilized by fear. You haven't taken that leap of faith because it's scary. But yet God is calling you this morning saying, son, daughter, I want you to trust me. I want you to step out in faith. And you know what? That is such a freeing thing, understanding that, the, that, that, that what happens, whether it works out and the people get healed, whether it doesn't work out and the people don't get healed, that doesn't matter. What matters is that we walk in the spirit of obedience. And as we walk in the spirit of obedience, we become this vessel that is just in communication with the Father saying, God, what do you have for me on this day? That's our role. So when fear comes upon us, we can stand in that place and say, you know what? Really, it's not as scary as I think. Because I don't have to worry about what happens. All I have to worry about is being obedient and praying with somebody. And is it scary to pray for somebody? No. And if your answer is yes, it is scary to pray for someone, then the Lord wants to break that in your life because you know what? There's power in prayer. And as we step out, man, I just want every single week there to be testimonies of of God's faithfulness, and those testimonies will never come when the saints of God just say, you know what, let's just play this safe. Let's just sit back and just not try. The Lord sent his son to die, to be able to give us power to walk and step in faith. We worship a God that is very much alive, a God who wants to do amazing things in our lives. And it all happens when we say, Lord, I'm listening. And God, I'm willing to take a step of faith. You know, as I was praying this morning for this service, the Lord just deposited deep into my spirit this scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. See, it's not people that we're wrestling with, 
but it's principalities that, in, that are at work. And as we understand that God has, the, each one of us are, are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And our spirits never sleep. They're constantly communicating with the Father. And our spirits just need to get stronger and bigger and bigger. And that happens by exercising them through the gift and the exercise venue of faith. Faith is awesome. And the Lord has given us that gift that we can, each one of us can step out in the power of faith. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Jonah chapter 2 says that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out of the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me in the deep and in the heart of the sea, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall see again. Look upon you, holy temple. There's people in this room who have been in that place and you've been kicking yourself for a long time because you didn't follow through with something that the Lord told you. Well, I'm here this morning as your pastor to say, be released. Let it go. Walk in that place and say, God, I missed the mark, but Lord, I ask for a second chance. And as God gave Jonah a second chance, in the middle of his darkest moment, in the belly of a fish. Now, you can't miss it any more than that, guys. In the belly of a fish, running away from God, he cries out, and the Lord hears his prayer. And then what happens? He goes off to Nineveh, and he does what the Lord tells him to do. My friends, is there something in your lives that is, you've been hindered because you haven't stepped out in faith? Is there something in your life that that whole spirit of fear has crippled you? Remember, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and of sound mind. Praise the Lord. God is good. He's a God of multiple chances. And the good news today is you haven't missed the mark. For where we have failed in the past, there'll be opportunities for success in the future. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.